boom, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo podcast with myself, Nolsey, and my co-host, Jaxie. We're going to continue as usual, and we are going to follow the suit where we go from the bottom of the fixture ticker all the way to the top, look at the most important teams and pick out possible players maybe to trade for, and then possible waiver suggestions. We're going to integrate your questions that you've sent us into the podcast throughout when we talk about that particular team. And then at the end, we're going to look at our waivers. Look at each position, goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and strikers, and rank them in order of which you should put down on your waiver. Just to note, it is Tuesday. So a lot will change from now until Saturday. We will be giving updates on injuries. And we always use Injury Expert on Twitter. He is usually very accurate and usually updates them after the press conferences. Now, the problem with press conferences in the draft is that the waivers come in on a Friday. So if you're holding out, holding out on injury news and you're looking at a particular source and it doesn't come in till the, the um, press conferences, well, then you might miss a couple of players on the waivers. So based on the injuries, based on some of the updates we've seen on Twitter that aren't 100% confirmed, uh, we've made a couple of predictions as to who might start. We will be always giving updates throughout the week on Twitter. So if we're talking about a particular player, we'll probably say, you know, we're going to monitor them. And if there is any significant update, we're going to put it up on Twitter. So if you're not following us on Twitter or Instagram, get on it now because you will get extra information that might change or maybe a player that we mentioned that might be a good option becomes a great option because a particular player is injured. So we're going to start off and we're going to start at the bottom of the fixture ticker and we usually select the bottom team because that obviously tells us that these are, are are not valuable players based on the fixtures we're also going to pick out select teams we're not going to go through every team but the teams that we think there are good options from so to kick things off at the bottom of the fixture ticker is chelsea now chelsea's fixtures over the next five game weeks are arsenal brentford tottenham City and then Newcastle. So off the back of this, not looking very fruitful for Chelsea. A few things to note on their team is Reese James is back, back available to play. So he could be available on some waivers. More than likely he's gone, but he could be available. Other things to note with Chelsea, Cole Palmer is 50% at the moment with a dead leg. I do think he will play. Yeah, a lot of these injury updates were like maybe a week or 10 days ago. So like something like a dead leg or I think there was like some fatigue or something like that will be changed by then. They've had the international break. So yeah, we expect Palmer to probably get back in that team. Yeah, there is a lot of question marks um, and yellow flags over Chelsea defence. And with the terrible fixtures, I wouldn't be looking at Chelsea's defence only with Rhys James for attacking returns. Besides that, Broya is also injured as well. So Jackson has the possibility of playing. So in terms of waiver picks and options for Chelsea, Sterling, of course, and then Reese James, and then Cole Palmer as well. Yeah, so Sterling obviously is going to be taken in the majority of leagues. His trade value is kind of pretty low right now, even though he did very well last week. It's just them tough fixtures. If anyone's going to get returns for Chelsea, the most probable is Sterling. And then on the waiver, if you're looking to pick up a couple of Chelsea players, as we said, James or Palmer. Probably James a bit higher than Palmer. Both of them actually are possibly on penalties. 
Remember when uh, I think Jackson was out or something like that? They said that James could be on penalties. Palmer took one last week, so yeah, it's a toss-up yeah. between them two to take penalties. Palmer after scoring penalty the last day, and as attacking player, you'd like to think he'll be on them. But yeah, not the best options. I think James will have a good trade value because as a captain, you'd like to think he'll play ninety minutes every day, but inevitably will get injured by the end of the season. So again, Chelsea not the best. But a couple of options. Probably avoid. Yeah. Next up then on the fixture ticker is Everton. So Everton do have some tough fixtures with Liverpool, West Ham, Brighton, Palace and then United. So we will not be looking at defensive assets here for Everton. There are some attacking assets that looked very well the last day. And myself and Nosey actually watched a couple of YouTube videos on I think they were dating back to three or four years <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, on this certain player, but he is our number one player for for Everton. And yeah, Nosey, if you want to... Jack Harrison is the man. We looked at a lot of highlights videos from Jack Harrison over the last hour. and uh, Is he yeah. left-footed? Is he right-footed? Yeah. Is he on set pieces? <laughs> he looked like Prime Messi um, <laughs> based on some of the TikToks we watched. But yeah, even in the last game, he looked very well. Harrison looked like obviously Everton's best player should have had one or two more returns. Obviously hauled. Now the problem with Harrison is that his stats are very skewed. So yeah, if you look on his stats, you know, his expected, po- no sorry, his uh, points per 90 is like 40, or 14, sorry, not 40. 14 points per 90. So obviously they're all skewed. With them tough fixtures, I'm not saying go out, go out and get Harrison, you have to get him in your team. But if you wanted an Everton asset, maybe to attack that Brighton and Palace fixture, possibly, which is 11 and 12, Harrison would be our top pick. Down from that, we have to go with DCL, just because he's on pens. It's not like he's shown any great shapes this season. Again, another injury-prone player that would probably somehow get injured by the end of the season. Yeah, and with Beto as well, has had some cameo appearances and he hasn't really done much when he's played. So it just nails DCL down even more. Yeah, and, and yeah, he'd probably get a few from from play, but we'd be kind of relying on penalties for the next five or six game weeks. So he's going to be two, and our main man Decore is going to be three. It's a shame that we have to knock him down the rankings, but uh, he's got over them two good fixtures and he's had two returns. So that's kind of why you get in these players. A player like Decore, who's still playing relatively high up the pitch. He has them two good fixtures and he returns. That doesn't mean that, okay, Decore is now a season-long hold and he's going to, you know, smash it this season. If you look at his stats over the last couple of seasons with Everton and Watford, he's never going to get more than five or six goals a season. So you want to attack these players for the good fixtures, but don't hold on to them forever just because they return for you. Looking at them, Liverpool, West Ham, Brighton Palace fixtures, the probability is not in his favour. So although it might be hard to do, maybe a trade if you could get it, or a waiver out to Corey, that could be an option. Now, I'm not saying that he's not going to return. If he's red-hot form and whatever, okay, he could be an option. But for me personally, Decore versus Liverpool, a poor enough Everton side, although they look a small bit more improved with Harrison and the likes of McNeil, I wouldn't be playing the probability with Decore. If I wanted to play the probability with Everton, I'd probably go Harrison and DCL. If you've had Decore, you've enjoyed the ride with his good returns. But now, with those tough fixtures, it could be time to, or not could be, 
I think it is time to drop him for somebody else on the waiver who we will mention towards the end of this podcast. Next up is Luton. Now, they do not have good fixtures. They're still relatively near the bottom of the fixture ticker. But their next fixture could be fruitful. (laughs) We're giving away a prize for every time we say fruitful. (laughs) Could be a good fixture for Dowie. Dowie has some great underlying stats as a defender. He's on set pieces. He's averaging five touches in the box per 90, which is actually a lot more than some strikers this season. He creates two chances per 90 and has an overall average XGI of 0.32 for a Luton side that are very poor. That's like me with Emerald FC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack's is still in dreamland, as you can tell. Um, Luton are obviously a shit team. They're terrible at the back. So if you get Doughty, you're nearly relying on attack and returns. And although, yeah, Forrest might be, okay, one that you could attack that maybe you get a clean sheet and maybe you get a attack and return. When you're looking at future fixtures like City and United, or not even then, you know, Brighton, Villa, relatively tough fixtures, you're still not going to be looking for a clean sheet. You're just going to be looking for attack and returns. So are you going to play Dowhy versus Villa over another defender that has a relatively easy fixture? Probably not. So yeah, if you want him, and if if you don't get some of the the waivers that we talk about defensively, he could be a good free agent or a punt this week and look for attack and return and possibly a clean sheet. But after that, although his underlying stats are good, unless you see a kind of change in Luton and somehow maybe at home they kind of shore up at the back, something like that, I don't think he's going to be as high as his stats suggest. Yeah, you maybe have Morris to hit a few balls, but after that, slim pickings. So although Dow has some good underlying stacks and could be an option for this week, I don't think he's going to be a long-term pick. It's a pity he plays for Luton. If he played for a half-decent side, he'd be a fantastic pick. Yeah, because there are a lot of question marks with defenders at the moment, and it is only Tuesday in the week. There could be more news coming out about defenders. You might have a team that gets flagged later on in the week, and you might be able to play him. If you are thinking of, as Nolsey mentioned, a free agent, to bring in last minute for a flagged player, Doughty yeah, could be a great option. Moving up the fixture ticker and we come to Wolves. Now we've talked about Wolves um, a good bit over the last couple of weeks and now they're coming into them nice fixtures. Bournemouth, Newcastle, Sheffield, Spurs and Fulham. So you have them alternating easy fixtures. The only thing to note about them three easy fixtures is that the Bournemouth, Sheffield and Fulham game are all away from home. Again, most teams want to make their home a fortress the likes of Bournemouth and especially Fulham would like to think that they're going to score at home. So maybe they don't seem as good as they, they actually are, but I still would class them as relatively easy fixtures. I think it's you know fairly easy to rank the Wolves players. Yeah, obviously Neto gets number one. Been outstanding so far. Ripped it up against Villa last week again. So without question, he's number one. Probably will be gone in most leagues. You'll be looking to get him in a trade. Second then is He Chan, who's five goals so far. Um, a lot of question marks over He Chan at the moment is, oh, he's five goals this season. Will I bring him into my team? Will I trade him to get it to get him into my team? But He Chan is, as me and Ozzy discussed before the podcast, he's quite overvalued um, at the moment. So if you do have him. Because he scored five goals, you'd be very reluctant to get rid of him. And if you don't have him, you could get starry-eyed and think, okay, he chan is a 
He's playing very attacking. Um, he's a midfielder that has a, yeah, a very attacking, very high attacking threat. He is quite overvalued, and I think the only way to describe it would be is to have it in a trade. And the only way you could get Hee-Chan is if you gave away somebody like Kulisevsky, a player who Kulisevsky is very high ceiling, and Hee-Chan, who you mightn't think is as good as Kulisevsky, but the only way you can get a player like Hee-Chan is if you give away a much better player. Yeah, because he's, he's overperforming his stats. And we don't recommend to give away Kulisevsky for Hee-Chan. I would definitely rather Kulisevsky. But for someone who owns Hee-Chan, you're probably looking for someone like Kulisevsky. How many goals do you think Hee-Chan will score this season? 10 max. The, like, he's not scoring 15 goals. And I could say that confidently now. So if he's not scoring 15 goals... Well, he and he scores 10, we'll say. Maybe he scores 12, whatever, on a crazy season. Yeah. He's scored five goals already. He's overperforming his stats in the first uh, eight game weeks. So, yeah, he might still be fruitful <laughs> again um, over the next five or six game weeks. Over the whole course of the season, it'll probably level out. So, yeah, if you have Hee-Chan, I wouldn't be opposed to trading him if you get someone like Kulisevsky of that level for him. It's a great if you are a heat channel owner, it's a great time to own him because you can get someone far more valuable long term right now. Yeah, or you can ride it out and, and you know take your chances over the next five game weeks with them three nice fixtures and possibly the Newcastle and Spurs ones, you never know. You can just ride it out and try and get the points. Or you have the option of trading. So yeah, if you got in He Chang, we uh, recommended him last week on the podcast and threw it up on Instagram and Twitter. If you got him last week, fair play, you're in a great position. If you don't have him, I think he's going to be one of the most wavered in players this week. Definitely go get him. Okay, so we have also three waivers from Wolves, which we are going to talk about later on. But until then, we're going to talk about United, unfortunately. United have perceived good fixtures. Sheffield... City, Fulham, Luton and Everton. Now the problem with United is the kind of main players, the Rashfords, Brunos, Hoyland, all them good attacking players are going to be taken. So the players that we are going to be looking at are probably rotation risks. And when we look at them, four out of them five fixtures are very good. And we're looking at the attacking players that for United and we're trying to maybe predict and get into that team and maybe get a, a little piece of that pie of the Sheffields and the Fulhams and the, and the Lutons. And we think, oh, lovely, United are a great team. Well, when you think about it, they have a serious amount of players that could rotate. The likes of Mount, Anthony, McSauce now bang two goals and kind of, you know, putting it to Ten Hag, start me, Eriksen, Casemiro, Amrabat, all midfielders. Now, I know Mount and Anthony are a bit more forward, but a lot of them are fighting for positions. So the only really nailed players on the United team for me are Rashford, uh, in attacking sense, are Rashford, Bruno and Hoyland. So if you're looking to get Mountain and he only starts maybe three out of them five games, it's not a great trade-off. Yeah, you have a United player, but the problem is, could you have got more points by getting another player for maybe two game weeks and then trading or wavering him out for another player and, and trying to take advantage of kind of shorter terms rather than putting your ba- your eggs in Mount's basket and hoping for some yeah. reason United turn it around. Just because he's a United player with good fixtures doesn't mean you should be picking him over some of the players that we mentioned on the waiver because so much rotation going on with United. They're in a transition period. Over the next five game weeks, there's better players to pick that are more nailed, more possibility of returning and... <laughs> I say this a lot when I'm talking about the draft. It's just having an, an enjoyable game week. 
If I had Mount on my team, I'd be shitting a brick that he's going to be taken off for yeah. 68 minutes. Yeah, he could he literally could get a 50-something minute game week. If Mount plays against Sheffield, or Anthony plays, and they, they play 90 minutes and play very well, well, then maybe they're option. But they're still, even if they do that, city fixture. And then by the time Fulham comes around, you still don't know. Yeah. So I would be actually be holding off on United players. Although when I looked at them first, I'm like, lovely. Okay, we've a couple of options. That's the problem. We've probably too many. If United had three or four players less in their midfield, yeah, they'd be great options. But the likes of McSauce, Ericsson, we don't know how they're going to go. As Jackson says, they're kind of in a, a transition period of the season. They need to win the next couple of games. Their defence, they do have a couple of assets, uh, especially coming back from injury now as well. You'd expect transition period, but you would expect clean sheets against possibly Sheffield, Luton, possibly Everton as well. Even Fulham in there as well. So Dallow obviously would be the number one uh, in defence for United. More than likely picked up already. If he's not, I'd go for him. And Nosey, I think you mentioned before that Regalon is back from injury. Yeah, Regalon um, had a slight strain. I think it was the hamstring strain. And he's expected to be back for game week nine. I think they're going to push him. If he's nearly fit, I think he's going to start because we have a serious amount of centre-backs, but a lack of a left-back. So Varane is kind of in the same place as Regalon, just on the way back. Probably fit enough to start. But the problem with that is that we have enough centre-backs. We have the likes of Lindelof, Maguire, Evans. Not great options, but if you're a Varane and you're kind of worried about maybe tweaking something again, he is injury-prone, maybe Ten Hag goes with the other centre-backs. So if you don't get Dallow or Dallow's taken, which he probably will be, Regalon is probably the best option for United this week. But again, that is this maybe the second player that we have to monitor and we'll give updates on Instagram. There was a question about Luke Shaw for this week's podcast. And the question was essentially, do I keep Luke Shaw? And for me, I think you get rid. The person's team, his defense was very good defense. Caldwell, Botman, Zinchenko, and Van de Ven. So four very good defenders. You have enough to keep you going there. We'll talk about Botman later on. But even, yeah, even if Shaw was back in only three or four weeks, I'd get rid. But we don't have a timeline. I think it's estimated like three or four weeks. But Shaw, first of all, is injury prone. So even if it's, you know, comes back, maybe he's not 100%. Maybe it takes a couple of more weeks on that uh, three or four weeks. We've had little update from him. We don't know where he's at with his uh, injury. And United are shy. So, okay, he comes back in three or four game weeks time in time for Everton. Well, you know, does he go back in the, straight back in the team? Are United shored up by then? I would personally be getting rid and trying to maximize your points in the waiver. So let's say the likes of Zinchenko has a very tough fixture. Even if he does play City, are you going to play him? Probably not. And that's a fair enough assessment. If you bench the likes of Zinchenko against the City and he gets a clean sheet, who cares? If you went back in time, you do the same thing again. Let's say you have some poor fixtures for your defense. And this goes as a general strategy. Let's say you do have poor fixtures for your defense. You want that one player on the waiver that has a good defensive fixture that week that you want to take advantage of. So we're going to talk about teams that have the likes of 48% chance of keeping a clean sheet this week. I would definitely be starting a 48% player over like a Zinchenko against City who might only have a 20 or 30%. What you're doing there is playing the statistics. So what I would do there is get rid 
and try and capitalize on the players that have good fixtures coming up this week on the waiver. As we mentioned, there are a lot of defenders that have flags over them, like Luke Shaw. So I wouldn't want him sitting there on my bench where there's plenty of decent defenders that have good fixtures that you can get in each game week. One of the strategies that we talk about quite a lot um, in the FPL Draft Duo is having rotating defenders, a rotating defender strategy. That allows you, that means you don't have a good defender like Shaw just sitting on your bench. You may have three solid defenders and they're holding there. And they have two then defenders that you can rotate in each week off the waiver, allowing you to maximize returns. So this guy, for in the example, who has Shaw, he has Botman, he has Zinchenko, and I think there was one more. Van de Ven. And Van de Ven. He has a stacked defense, not allowing him to apply a rotating defender strategy to target good fixtures. I think we talked about that earlier, about how one of your players got injured and it was a blessing in disguise. In one of my drafts, and I think it happens a lot more in smaller leagues because there's better defenders. In one of my drafts, I have five very good defenders. And I hate looking at it every week because I'm like, shit, I don't want to get rid of a Kanji on the waiver. But I don't know where he start and, I, and he has poor fixtures. I'd rather have, you know, Murillo from Nottingham Forest this week. So sometimes having that one or two good or poor defenders, sorry, is actually better than having defenders from a very good team because then you're always relying on fixtures you don't want to bench them you don't want to waver them sometimes one maybe two poor defenders that you don't mind getting rid of is better than having a high profile defender that you you kind of feel like you have to start moving on up brighton are moving on no (laughs) (laughs) that's just in my head (laughs) moving on up brighton are relatively kind of middle of the fixture ticker. Um, they have City next week. Obviously, extremely hard fixture. But if you have any Brighton assets, probably recommend just to bench them. If you have room on your team, a couple of the options that we are going to talk about could be fantastic after that City game. I did it last week. I got Duncan. He's going to be one of the players that we talked about. Had him on the bench. Bang the goal, obviously. Um, had him on the bench, but... Happy enough, keep him on the bench again this week and then start him. After that City game, they have Fulham, Everton, Sheffield and Forest. Dunk is a nailed-on player. He's played every minute this season and could be on the waiver because Brighton played so poorly in the first eight game weeks and haven't kept a single clean sheet yet. The likes of him and Veltman, who have actually who's come into the team since game week four, he's played every minute, they could be two fantastic options going forward if your team is set up properly this week. If your team is set up properly this week, I'd probably recommend going for them over a couple of the waivers. But if it's not, I'd probably look for the to the waivers and play it week by week. Because if you can afford to bench Dunk and Veltman this week against City, you have them for the next four game weeks. And over the next, sorry, after that, four game weeks in a row. In them four game weeks, Fulham, Everton, Sheffield and Forest, although they're playing very poor defensively, if you don't get two clean sheets, there's something wrong. You yeah. know, Brighton are in the mud. You know, um, if if they were the normal Brighton, they'd probably be looking at three clean sheets. But even if you only got two out of them four, you'd be happy. They had some very tough fixtures in the first eight game weeks. They played Villa, they played Liverpool. And a few more very hard fixtures. So I can see why they didn't get clean sheets. And looking at those fixtures of Fulham, Everton, Sheffield, Forest, that, that leaves Dunk and Veltman quite undervalued, which means they could be available on waivers. 
So we haven't mentioned them in our, they're not in our specific waiver section because I do feel they're undervalued and they probably will be picked up by most people. So they won't be on your waiver, but if the off chance they are available, Dunk and Veltman are, I would say quite prime assets for obviously not for the City game, but for Fulham, Everton, Sheffield, Forest. Any other, any other year, Duncan Veltman would have been picked up very early and been held because they would have been fantastic assets. Brighton usually good at the back. Dunk, bullet header, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but this season, because of the poor start, they could be a little, a little hidden gem. And if Brighton turn around, not only for the next five game weeks, but long term, they could be lovely waiver pickups. When they've conceded, they've already only conceded maybe one goal, um, max two. Apart from getting smashed last week. No. Yeah, apart from getting smashed two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, sorry. To Villa. Besides that, it's only one goal here or there that's gone in. I don't know that doesn't really say much. But still, the minus points, you know what I mean? They're not getting, they're not, they're not looting getting minus points every week. So I think Brighton, and even if they don't turn around, you're going to play them fixtures. Any team that has Fulham, Everton, Sheffield and Forest in a row, I don't care what team they are. Okay, I do. But if they're a team like Brighton, you're going to play them. You can't predict, okay, Fulham are going well, Everton are Sheffield. Them four fixtures, play them players. And if you get your returns, you get your returns. That's that's my tech. I'm literally doing that with Dunk, so that that's what I'd recommend you to do as well. Yeah. The last player then in the Brighton defence that we've done is Lamptey. So we have him down here because I actually I wrote him down first. I was like, yeah, Lamptey seems like a good pick for those good fixtures. But the more we looked at it, you'll be benching him for the City game, playing him then for the Fulham game, and more than likely a Stupinan will be back for the good run of fixtures of Everton, Sheffield, and Forest. So. Lamptey is a waiver player. He's he's not going to be holding and getting trade value. So if you do have him for that Fulham game, it could be a better better defender on the waiver that game week that you can pick up instead of Lamptey. So I would be avoiding him. Um, might look good at the moment because a stupid man is injured. There's, there's some great fixtures there of Fulham, Everton, Sheffield. But Lamptey more than likely won't be there for those good fixtures. Yeah, it's probably going to be a short-term pick, as you said. He's also flagged 75%, but I think he's going to be good for that City game. Honestly, he could be injured again by the Fulham game. So you're looking to maybe get Fulham and Everton out of him. And when you have a player in preemptively, you nearly want to get him in for a very good fixture, like a Luton. I would be getting a player in preemptively for a Luton game, or if they had a, a long run of fixtures. The problem with, with, with Brighton and Lamptey is that, yeah, they have a long run of fixtures, but as Jackie said, Stupinan will be back for majority of them. So if you really want Lamptey for that Fulham and possibly Everton game, you can get him in for, before the City game. But after that, he'll probably be gone. He mightn't be worth the risk of holding him on your bench for City. And by Everton, he's not even worth he's not even worth anything. Back on the waiver. Just a quick note on Spurs then. Basuma got a red card the last day, so he'll be out. Hoiberg will more than likely come in for him. I wouldn't be looking at Hoiberg in the draft for attacking returns. If you're looking for a yellow card, definitely pick him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If for some reason in your draft yeah, you, you, have, lose. you have some strange rules where you get points for most yellow cards on a team, yeah. Hoiberg is your man. In the terms of a draft player, Richarlison, although he might be quite frustrated, Owen, this week against Fulham could be a great time to have him. 
Brendan Johnson is back now or coming back from an injury hammer injury so a lot of the times with this type of injury they wouldn't start him ease himself back in and uh, knows that you know you know all about those hamstring injuries so Richarlison he's the only man really that you can get into that Spurs side Son and Kuliseski will they'll all be taken and, and it's pretty set in the Spurs side so the only really we talked about it at length in our last podcast was um, about the amount of injuries that Spurs have in that position and now it's practically down to Richardson versus Johnson and it's probably a good week this week for Richardson because Brennan Johnson is just coming back probably not fit enough to start unless we get a positive update um, but yeah Richardson Richardson at home in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Fulham yeah we said that last week against Fekin Luton but it was <laughs> yeah. a right card he usually seems to be the, the man that gets whipped so it's been unfortunate but yeah again go with the fixtures go with the Fulham at home Richarlison more than likely going to start um, and there's a question actually about Richarlison versus Aurea and Aurea comes up a couple of times throughout the questions and throughout the waivers and it's should I start Richarlison or should I start Aurea Aurea is at I think he's 75% on fantasy football but I think he's 50% on injury expert and they haven't given a return date on injury expert yet so that usually um, kind of gives me red flags <laughs> pardon the pun um, usually when fan t- or, uh, injury expert don't give a return date it's not great so he's actually been prone to injury he, he started the season with a bit of an injury maybe that's a recurring injury so I personally think Serge Aurier won't be back this weekend again that's one that we wait for um, an update on I would probably go and re- go with Charleston there as you said starting Good Spurs side, Fulham. All Tottenham the Hotspur Stadium. What did I say? No, no, in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, I thought you said, I thought like, you said something Spurs wrong. fans are... Best fans in the world, no? Great community at the moment. Great chance going. That's true, yeah. Big open pitch. Like, they, yeah. they'll be able to tear... It's like they have a 12th man, like. Yeah. We get it. You're top of the league. <laughs> um, we'd probably go for a Charles and start there over Aurier. Um, even if Aurier is 100% fit and back, as you said, Jaxie, like... It's not guaranteed clean sheet. That's what you're going to be looking at there, Luton. As we said, Dowhy looking good. Morris seems to return in these kind of easier fixtures. So it's not like, okay, perfect, or your clean sheet. If he loses that clean sheet, you're going to be kicking yourself. You're going to, you're going to pray you wanted Richardson starting, or you had Richardson starting. And that Spurs game is um, Monday night. So you're going to be, you know, shitting yourself. Yeah. If, if Forrest don't keep that clean sheet, you're going to be afraid that Richardson return so probably going to go for the attacking option there especially with Aurea at doubt moving quickly on to Newcastle we won't spend too long on them because uh, we have a discussion about them in the waiver the only thing we'll say is that they have very high probability of a clean sheet this weekend they are joint top with Forest, 48% so we'll come back to them when we are on the waiver moving on to another team that we're going to discuss at length in the waiver is Brentford they have a 40% chance of a clean sheet. They're the fifth, as far as I know, the fifth highest team for a clean sheet this week. But that might be sugar-coated. We'll talk about them in the waiver. But someone we will focus on for Brentford is Jensen. We put up a post on Instagram about Jensen and it was comparing him to Morgan Gibbs-White. It also looked at a couple of his uh, underlying stats. Jensen's underlying stats and some of its, his expected points over the next couple of game weeks. 
If we look at Brentford's fixtures over the next six game weeks, they have Burnley, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, and then Luton. So they have Burnley and Luton sandwiching four very tough fixtures. So that Jensen post will maybe highlight even further why he might be overvalued and why it might actually be a good time to trade him. Not that he's not a good pick, but over the next six game weeks, apart from that Burnley game, which looks nice, unless you look at maybe a um, a set piece, he's not going to be the most probable player to return. So if someone's seen Jensen return loads and overperform his stats, and they see the Burnley fixture, and they see the Luton fixture, maybe it's a good time to maybe upgrade. You know, I'm not saying you get a He-Chan, but like up, hop on and, and level up. I like to kind of, kind of, that's what I kind of think of it in my head. Level up a Jensen. You've maybe got him off the waiver. He's done well and someone else is looking for him and you want to get someone that's not a waiver pick. That's actually a good way of kind of indicating whether, you know, you've kind of done well or not. If you put someone on the waiver and they're left there, they're a waiver pick. What I like to do personally is get someone from the waiver, hopefully he returns, and then maybe trade him for someone who was not normally on the waiver. If you've done that, you've you've played the game right. So maybe Jensen is slightly overvalued currently because he's returned, I think, three goals and two assists so far. Again, will he keep them numbers up? Probably not. It's similar to normal fancy. You want to have your team as valuable as possible. So in normal fancy, you'd notice that some players go up in, go up in value, they go up in points, and they're more expensive to buy. Similar with the draft, you want your team to be as valuable as possible. So the likes of Jensen, he's reached, what well, I think, he's reached his ceiling. He's reached how valuable he's going to be. But other players will want him now. So it's now time for you to go and try to get somebody who may not be performing as well, but will have a far higher ceiling than Jensen. Yeah, you described it as stocks before, and we, won't, we might do a, a, a podcast more at length about this, but like, think about the stocks. Jensen's stock is really high right now, and someone else's stock might be lower, but they will have a higher ceiling. It's kind of like the S&P 500. They're inevitably going to go up higher than Jensen, and Jensen could be at the peak. He's a Bitcoin, he's going to drop or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so maybe you want to always kind of look at where they are in people's perceived value of them and try and sell them when they're highest and get them when they're slightly lower. The last thing that we're going to talk about in a bit of detail before we go on to the waivers are Villa. They are top of the fixture ticker as they were last week. Their next five, six fixtures are West Ham, Luton, Forest, Fulham, Spurs and Bournemouth. So they have four very nice fixtures in them six. They have a couple of options, although a lot of their top, top players in terms of attacking potential are taken. They have a couple of defenders that might be available. Konza might be available. I've seen him available in a couple of drafts, more than likely taken. But if they play at the five at the back, and uh, that five at the back is very important for the next player, Konza plays kind of like a right back. If you look at his heat map, he's playing nearly where you would expect a right back to play if they play the five at the back, then Diego Carlos is an option. He plays where you think a right centre back would play. So there are there are two players that you could get in your team. Again, the West Ham fixture, maybe not great. But after that, Luton, Forest, Fulham game can start them for all three. And, uh, you know, Especially, expect nearly, expect clean sheets. Yeah, five at the back. And if you have Diego Carlos against those great fixtures, 
What more could you ask for? Really? Yeah, the problem is that he might be a rotation risk. So Kanza um, as a possibility. Pau Torres we talked about. I think both Kanza and Pau Torres will be highly, highly owned. Diego Carlos will be a bit lower because he was uh, had a slight injury and is coming back from that. We did see that when all of them were available, Emery did want to play them five at the back. So if he goes back to that, depending on the fixture, they played five at the back against Wolves. You would like to look at, do they play it against, uh, you know, maybe a lesser side that they think they're going to beat. If they play a harder side, they play four at the back. Um, you would think it's the opposite, but the, the reason I say that is because Cash and, and Digne get so high up the pitch that if they're playing a better team, they might leave themselves open. And if they play a team like Wolves, they might uh, in, intend, I know it sounds mad, five at the back, but to go more attacking. So they play West Ham again, uh, playing well at the minute. So maybe he's looking at a four at the back. Maybe monitor Diego Carlos and see what the setup is against West Ham. If he plays five at the back against West Ham, I'd be hot on Diego Carlos next week. On to our illustrious waiver suggestions. First up, in our goalkeeping position, there is a possibility for a one-week punt here in Strakosha of Brentford. Flecken has appendicitis, and that was reported, I think, last week, two weeks ago. I've been doing a bit of research, medical research on Google, as you always should. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it is a, like a month's recovery time. Now, we're playing Premier League football here. So I don't think you're going to just go back in the team after having, uh, you know, an affection like that. I think it's an affection. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to predict, and I think the prediction, Flecken is back in mid-November. Now, we're going to talk about Brentford a bit here uh, in terms of defensive capabilities. And what we want to note is that they're playing Burnley this week. Statistically, 40% chance of a clean sheet, but Burnley have scored in five out of their eight games. They're not the same Burnley as we're used to seeing. Likes of Foster, Kolyosho, some good players there. Amadouni when he plays. Yeah, Amadouni has, has looked decent. So it's not like, okay, Burnley, you know, the wood. The whipping boys. Yeah, yeah. the whipping boys of, 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 the, of the Premier League. So it's not like, okay, perfect, get him in and, and would definitely guarantee the clean sheet. No, the, the odds are good. But Brentford also have a lot of injuries. As I said, Flecken, even though he's not great. Hickey is uh, suspended. Uh, Pinnock is flagged. Uh, ben Mee is flagged. So we'll go down to defenders and we'll start from the bottom and we'll talk about two of the defenders that we have for Brentford. Ayer is probably going to start this week. He's going to be the bottom of our list for defenders. Above that is Collins. The reason we put Collins above him is because Collins is a bit more nailed long term. If you want to hold them, probably not the best hold, but Ayer and then Collins. So we have three defensive assets from Brentford this week based on statistics. When we look at the background of statistics, it doesn't add up that well. But if you just want to play the game, you need a defender in. Um, some of these you can put down lower on the waiver to kind of play the stats. Moving up that defender list is Lacassels for Newcastle. We talked about how Botman is probably hit or miss this week. We'll probably have more information later on in the week. So that's, I think, the third player we have to monitor. If Botman is kind of not going to start, we kind of get the feeling he's not going to start yet. Lacazelle is a fantastic pickup this week. A lot of people will have him over the last couple of game weeks. But if he's not picked up yet, 48% chance at a clean sheet. Moving on to another team, the other team that has a 48% chance at a clean sheet, Forrest. At the bottom of that Forest list is Montiel. He came on for the injured Aurier. So as we said, monitor Aurier. And if he still is injured, which I think he will be, Montiel at right back is that kind of attacking threat for 
Forrest that could be a great pickup. Above that is Murillo, centre back who's recently started playing and looked very, very good for Forrest. Actually, ba nearly banged a goal, ran through like three or four pl uh, players um, the last day. So I'm not saying he's an attacking threat, but I'm going to say that he's going to get the start the next week. Um, and as I said, playing them stats 48%, always good. At the top of them, kind of immediate waivers, is two Liverpool boys. Tamiskas, obviously because of Robinson, Robinson's injury, is going to be an option for the next couple of weeks. And they have, over the next four game weeks, Everton, Forest, Luton and Brentford. Four fixtures that if you have a Liverpool defender, it's a great time to just leave them there and see what happens. I was holding Robbo for a couple of weeks for these fixtures and what do you know, gets injured. So Tamiskas, we actually know he's decent when he plays. He's filled in for Robbo a couple of times and done very well. And then top of that, who could be available, and I've seen available in a lot of leagues, is Matip. Matip started, I think he played 70-something minutes the last day, but he's back in starting for Liverpool. Talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and actually last week, as a good waiver to get in, if you didn't get him in. Everton, Forest, Luton and Brentford games are great, great options to have. So there are, I think, eight suggestions for defensive waivers this week. Um, that's kind of more immediate ones. We've given a couple more throughout the podcast that... If your team is set up well, they're probably better players to bring in, the likes of Dunk, the likes of Veltman. But for this week, they're all good options. Next, on to the midfield waiver suggestions. So we have four suggestions in this section. First one is Callum Hudson-Odoi for Nottingham Forest. So one week punt, playing against Luton. I know Forest have a lot of rotation, but if you need to bring in a, bring in a midfielder and you want to target this good fixture... Callum Hudson-Odoi is there. So he's number four on our rankings for the midfield waivers. Number three then is Kudos for West Ham. Now he did come on the last day and he did bang a very good goal. Looks very exciting. Bit of rotation there with Antonio. Me personally, I think I'd rather own Kudos than Antonio. He's far more exciting. I do think he'll return more. The chances he's gotten with West Ham so far, he's proven himself. I'll find it very hard to think that Moisey will leave Kudos out going forward. So that's why Kudos is there as our number three. Number two then is Pascal Gross. So Pascal Gross is back now. Rotation, the Zerbi ball, you don't know who's going to be playing. Gross is probably the most nailed. Yeah, one of the most nailed, definitely. Out of all of Brighton's, um, Brighton's midfielders on pens and he's on dead balls as well. So if you can get gross from the waiver for this week i'd highly recommend it i know they are playing city but as we mentioned before it's those it's the fulham everton sheffield and forest it's those fixtures is what you'll be targeting pascal gross for finally our top target for midfield waivers this week is morgan gibbs white of nottingham forest they have a great fixture this week against luton and after that they have liverpool villa west ham so he is a long-term hold and while Awoni is out, Gibbs White is on penalties. Now, even last season, Gibbs White, he is the main man for them. And he's on set pieces. So if you can get him in, I do think long-term holding on to him, he will be a long-term hold for you, getting you consistent points each game week. Finally, on to our strikers. And usually there's not a lot of strikers to pick from. As we know, if you play the draft, it is a very scarce position. If a striker comes about, it's usually taken up or he's usually taken up very quickly. 
but looking at possible available strikers, we have written down two here. Always good if you can get a playing striker in. A lot of people will have a non-playing striker or a poor striker on their team, the likes of, I don't know, Semenyo or we talked about them last week, Adebayo and stuff like that. But we have two options this week. First option, it's Cunha. Now, although his stats aren't fantastic, he's averaging about 60 or 70 minutes per game for Wolves and then usually gets whipped for the likes of Fabio Silva. But he has been racking up some good XGI. Now, maybe that is helped by playing with the likes of He Chang and Neto. They're playing very well. He's racking up an average of 0.41 XGI per game. But he's only getting three touches in the box. Compared to the likes of Dow, he was getting five touches in the box. So like a left wing back is getting more touches in the box than Cunha. He is playing relatively deep for a striker, but he's a starting striker and they're hard come by. So if you want a starting striker for this week, Cunha versus Bournemouth is a good option. Secondly, another striker that has come to fruition is Mateta. Mateta is nearly, I wouldn't say guaranteed, but he's very likely to start this weekend with the likes of Eze still out. Olise, actually we never mentioned him, but is eyeing up a return in the next couple of weeks. We'll keep you updated on that. Uh, Schlupp is out long-term. So a lot of the midfielders are out long-term. Mateta could start uh, the likes of right mid, possibly for Palace, if not up top with Edward. So although they have two tough fixtures coming up in Newcastle and Spurs, after that, if he's still in the team, the likes of Eze and that are still injured. He has Burnley, Everton and Luton. Never turn your nose up at a starting striker. If you have a non-playing striker, Mateta would be a very good upgrade. So hopefully we have given you as much information as possible to win your game week this week and in the future. As always, we appreciate every question, every interaction on Instagram, uh, Twitter and regarding the podcast. So please continue to send them in. The more questions we have, the more we can help you win your game weeks. As always, thanks very much for listening. Draft Joe. Out. Boom! <laughs>